Hello and welcome back to Who is Copernicus? I want to thank those who listened to my first installment and I hope that you enjoyed it. I truly appreciate you taking the diligence and the time to listen and learn from Copernicus. Now, this time around for episode two, I figured you should get the origin story and get the background as to how Copernicus came to be. Now, I want to preface this story because I'm jumping you in kind of late. All right. So I'll preface this with prior to all of these things that I'm about to tell you in this story, I was a very physically fit, very physically capable individual. I had grown up playing sports. I had played college baseball. Um, I was a personal trainer. I was a strength coach. I could deadlift 600 pounds, squat five, all these different physical things that I was very able to do. And the story, I'm not going to lie to you, is it's raw. It's got some sad parts. It's got some real parts. It's got some truly uncut life. But with that being said, it is important to who I've become today. It is important to how Copernicus came to be. It is important to my very essence and who I am now. So with that being said, we'll dive in. Now, like I said, I'm jumping a little bit farther ahead in the story, but I had just got done doing a block of competitions. And I say block because I did three of them relatively quick in succession, meaning I did a powerlifting competition, then I did a bodybuilding competition, and then I did a PowerX competition at the Arnold Classic in Columbus, Ohio. I was feeling great. I was on top of the world, right? Everything's going good. I'm strong. I'm at the top of my game. And then all of a sudden, with one single question, (laughs) it started a whole series of events. And this question is simple. It's easy. You hear about it. You might not hear it often, but in this case, it was just a few words. What's wrong with your eye? Now, that doesn't seem too major, but for me, I was so concerned because I don't know what's wrong with my eye. I was confused. There were no mirrors around. How was I supposed to know? So I go to the bathroom and I take a look only to be astounded by what I saw. There were really it was an entirely different face looking back at me. My left eye had opened almost all the way and my right eye had closed almost down to the other lid. And I just couldn't understand because my vision was perfectly fine at the time. So I start freaking out as most normal people would. And my initial assumption was my contacts are messing me up. So I run home, I put my glasses on and I realize I have some time left and I needed to get a haircut. So I hop on the highway and I'm on my way to get my haircut only for the highway to then split in two. Now, pause for a second. I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever been driving at 65 plus miles an hour and the highway splits in two, It's not cool. It's pretty scary. Okay. It's pretty scary. So like every other logical male, I called my mom. Duh. I'm self-proclaimed and proud mama's boy. I have no issue admitting it. 
and I tell her the situation. And of course, she's freaking out, as most mothers would, and calls the eye doctor. So we end up getting an emergency eye doctor appointment. Um, I get my car home by a miracle, and she picks me up, and we go to this eye doctor. They start running their test, and you know everything. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm nervous because I, I don't know what's going on. My eyes look like this. I've never seen anything like this. I've never come across it. This is my first experience. And the doctor says to me, "Not to freak you out." <laughs> now, now, pause the story. I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever been at a doctor and he says not to freak you out, chances are something's not right, right? Like that's a that's a terrible first way to like it's a terrible lead sentence not to freak you out. Like why would you start with not to freak you out because that's going to freak you out. All right, resume. So, he tells me not to freak you out, but you need to go to the emergency room right now. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for any other time. Like you need to leave here and go to the emergency room and you need to have them run these tests. I'm like, all right, well, here we go. So go to the emergency room. Obviously, it's taking hours on hours because it's an emergency room and I don't have like glass sticking out of my head or something. They finally get to me and they begin these tests that um, I got from the eye doctor. And luckily, they didn't find anything. So the test that they had run, there was a fear that there must have been a tumor or a mass or something pressing on that area. So they looked around my eyes, they looked at my brain, and luckily, there was nothing there. So they called the ophthalmologist, which is the eye guy. Um, Keep in mind, by this time, it's late at night and you know, I'm super stressed out and just like, I'm freaking out. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why my eyes look like this. I don't know why I have double vision. It's it's just a lot to handle. So the ophthalmologist gets there and he does a couple tests and he seems so confident and sure and, and, ha- and just like, this is myasthenia gravis. Now I keep that name in mind, myasthenia gravis. It's an autoimmune disorder. Remember that. And he said it and he figured he did this so quick that I was like, well, it's got to be that. He was he just so confident, so quick with it. Um, what else could it be? Well, they start testing for it. Now, these tests, these are going to, these tests take place over the next six or seven months or so. And the issue was, is they kept coming back inconclusive, inconclusive, negative, inconclusive, inconclusive, another scan, another test, another test. Nothing was telling me what was going on. And there was nothing that they were diagnosing that seemed to make any sense. And I was getting frustrated. I was, I was getting angry because they couldn't figure it out. So of course, with anger comes fear, fear. I'm scared. Because here's the other side of it. This entire time that they're running tests, not only do my eyes start to look crazy, so I had a pretty much a constant high look on my eyes at all times, but I was getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. My body literally was shutting down before my eyes. 
And it was, it was a lot to deal with. I went from being able to pick up 600 pounds to literally not being able to pick up anything. I went from bench pressing 330 pounds to literally not being able to press a 45 pound bar. I'm a, I'm a grown man. I went from being able to do 100 push-ups to not being able to do one single push-up. And it crushed me, it, it, it really did. I, I, it, I didn't know how to handle that for a very long time. And it, and it really made me go to a place that I had personally never been, mentally. So fast forward again. Okay. By this point, I had gotten so weak that um, my balance was horrendous. Um, nothing really was safe for me. The gym itself was actually a hazard because all the weights were free. My clients were very strong, so keeping up with them literally just became something I could not do. And I'll tell you, probably the worst part of it was when I had gotten so weak to the point that where every time I went to the hospital, I had to put on a fall hazard bracelet because I physically could not pick myself up off the ground if I had fallen. I was that weak. That weak. And there was one time in particular, and I'll tell you, this probably was the, the lowest point for me throughout this entire process. I mean, it truly broke me. I was heading into work one morning, and it was, I don't know, 6, 6.30 in the morning. And it was pouring outside, like raining real hard, real, real hard. And there's two ways that you can get into the gym that I worked at. There was the front door, which was the safer option. There was no stairs. There was nothing. You just walk in, open the door, go into the gym. The other option was like a loading dock. And there were three stairs that were pretty steep. Where I had to park that day was closer to the loading dock, and I really wasn't trying to get soaked. So I was like, come on, you got it. Let's, you got this. Three stairs. Let's go. Three stairs. No big deal. Well, I hit the first stair. I'm good. Yeah. Hit the second stair. My toe catches. I go down. Boom. Just down. And what sucked was the loading dock, the way it was set, the roof was kind of dented in, so there would be a little puddle of water that gathered right there at the top of that third step. And sure enough, that's right where I fell. So not only did I fall, but I landed directly smack dab in a giant puddle of water. So I'm soaked. I'm, I'm panicking now, right? I, I'm, I'm on the ground. I can't get up. It's, it's panic mode. It's like, get off the ground. Get off the ground. Get up. And I'm trying, and I physically cannot get up. And when I tell you the fear that, that, that engulfed my mind of, of truly not being able to move and get off the ground, I was freaking out. So I, I, I calmed down a little bit, and I, I, I remember, all right, think, think, think. Call someone. Call someone. I reach into my pocket. And I, and I got my phone and, and I reach it out and I'm trying to unlock it and boom, fingers give out. Drop my phone. Great. Not only am I soaked now with all my clothes, but I drop my phone and it tumbles away from me and I can't move. I can't get off the ground. Now what? 
once again, it's six in the morning. There's no one really there. There wasn't a ton of trainers there. There wasn't anybody outside. It's, it's kind of dark. Like this is a situation that truly I was, I was terrified. So I was like, all right, let's, let's go. So I roll over onto my stomach and I start doing this army crawl type thing, trying to scoot my way towards the garage door that was open that would lead into the gym. And I'm crawling one arm, come on, next arm. I'm, I'm scraping up my forearms at this point, but I don't care because I'm just trying to get dry. I'm trying to get out of this rain and by the grace of God, my coworker walks by, happened to have a client, looks outside because it's raining and sees me army crawling myself, trying to scoot along this concrete uh, area to get into the gym. Lucky for me, she was very well trained. She had uh, a athletic background, athletic training background. I was able to get me inside, get me picked up, um, got me a towel and things like that. And then I'll tell you the part that broke me. And it was wild. The part that broke me truly was probably one of the simplest sentences you could ever say to someone. But they hit like a, like a ton. They hit like a brick. They hit me square, square in the head. And it was, are you okay? That's it. Are you okay? And when I tell you every possible, every single, every emotion you could ever think of at that point in time hit me like a truck, like a Mack truck, ran me over and I was a mess. I broke down to the, I I had never, ever felt like that in my life. I had never felt so helpless, so, so broken, so weak, so, so just unmanly, like, I don't know how else to describe it besides at that point in time, I was, I was truly wrecked. I, I was at my bottom. Like, here I am. I, I, I was six months ago. I could jump. I could run. I could do any physical feat you could ever think of. But at this moment, I couldn't move. I couldn't get off the ground. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And that feeling of helplessness destroyed me. And it sent me down a a dark road. It really did. Now, keep in mind, again, along this time, this is over about a six-month period that I'm getting weaker. So it's getting to the point where I'm not able to keep up with my clients anymore. I can't train them. I can't physically take weights off for them. I can't physically um, spot them. There's all these things. So not only... Am I getting weaker and I'm, I'm losing at the time what I thought was my identity, my, my manliness, but I'm, I'm also losing my job. I, I can't do my job. What I know, what I've loved, what I've been doing for so long, I no longer can do it. And that hurt and it hurt bad, hurt real bad. So eventually there, there became a point where I was like, all right, let's, let, what can we do? Let's, let's look at something. Do something. Come on. Do something. And I picked up a book. I started reading. I was like, well, if I can't train like I used to, I'll, I'll just read. And then I picked up another book and another book and another book. 
and that led to writing and I started writing and it was crazy when I first started writing it 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 truly felt like a relief I guess it was the words were were coming so fast that it I, I it was it was truly amazing the words that would just develop in my mind and weave themselves into a story that perfectly described whatever feeling I was feeling at that moment and it was it saved me it it really did and through this process I learned a lot of different sides of myself I learned a lot of things that I enjoyed a lot of other things that made me who I am that I don't know if I ever would have found if it wasn't for all of this. Now, I also um, want to reiterate, by this point, they'd finally um, ran a test that came back positive. It was myasthenia gravis. They started a treatment plan for me. And I slowly was was on my way back up. Slowly, wasn't good. I my my eyes still looked pretty wild, um, but it was it was better. Um, but this process was so crazy. And and what's even wilder was I, I I'll never forget. I used to go out with my friends along this process, and I always wore a hat. Didn't matter where we were going. I always wore a hat. I could have just got the best haircut in the world and I would put my hat on because I could pull it down over my eyes and I knew I, I, had, I had become so self-conscious at that point of my appearance, of my eyes, of my lack of strength that it engulfed me, it consumed me. And I messed up relationships because of it. I pushed people away. Um, I have a poem, maybe I'll share with you guys sometimes, but... It's called Let Them See. Throughout this entire period of time, I had been um, pushing my, what I perceived onto someone else as if they perceived everything that I did. And that's just not the case. Perception is reality and reality is what you perceive. So if that's the case, that means you perceive differently than me, which means we don't perceive the same things. So all these insecurities that I now had and were pressing on to other people thinking they would have the same wasn't fair to them and I paid for it and and, and those relationships paid for it but now that we're here now that we're here fast forward about three years ago now fast forward and and I'm very able-bodied now I'm it's to the point where Nothing looks out of the ordinary. My eyes look normal. My strength is okay. I'm not any kind of strong by any matter, but you wouldn't know unless I told you um, that there was anything going on. And I'm happy. I'm truly happy now. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I've got to a place that allows me to express these things that I went through. So with that being said, that is truly the birth of Copernicus. Copernicus is, he is the culmination of all my emotions, the culmination of all the words that were jumbled up in my head that got put down onto paper. He is confidence himself. He is 
everything that I wasn't in that moment. And now you know where he came from.